How many touchdowns will IU score? Six or fewer, seven or more? A million. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to yet another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast coming to you from inside beautiful Franklin Hall on a beautiful Wednesday evening here in Bloomington, Indiana. Cameron Drummond here, your IU football columnist for the Indiana Daily Student, along with Murphy Wheeler and Sean Mintert, our two IU football reporters. We are back. We're back to recap IU's first loss of the season, the Hoosiers falling to number 24, then number 24 Michigan State, 35 to 21 at the weekend, and also take a look at what will happen in Piscataway, New Jersey this weekend when IU takes on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It's been a very interesting day for myself and Murphy so far because we just came from Indiana Men's Basketball Media Day, their first media of the new 2018-19 season. And what happened, Murphy? Well, a, a fire alarm went off in the middle of our uh, conversation with Devontae Green, Jerome Hunter, and who was the other? Al Durham. No, it wasn't no, Al sorry, Durham. No, sorry, it wasn't Al Durham. I forget who the other Race one was. Thompson. Race Thompson. It was Race right. Thompson. Literally right in the middle of IU Basketball Media Day, a fire alarm went off and would not stop going off. It was terrible, honestly. And, like, some of the people, some of the other media members got the recording on their, on their phone, and when we got back, we had to move it all to Cook Hall. And when we got back to eat, in assembly hall, somebody still had that that noise that was that was going on the fire alarm on their phone still and started playing it while everybody was eating and I thought maybe I was going insane like maybe I'm still hearing it in my mind mm-hmm. like some PTSD kind of thing mm-hmm. and it was it got real scary for a second to be yeah. honest. I mean, with we you. thought we were gonna die in a fire no less than yeah an hour ago. I mean, if I mean if I'm gonna die, I might as well die in assembly hall. With Devontae Green. So that's why we're late to this podcast. Sean, how long have you been sitting in the studio for? Uh, at least half an hour. That's why I like to hear. That's some dedication to the beat right there, folks. Mm-hmm. He's waiting half an hour for us to get our butts back to Franklin Hall to give you the content that you deserve. For the good of the content. That's what I do it for. So let's get to that content Amen. now. Okay, that's enough, Murphy. That's Your speaking privileges are gone for this episode. Okay. Fair enough. I just won't talk. Yeah, I mean... We, we, you did eat enough steak and shrimp at, at basketball. I had the chicken. The, thank you very much. Chicken and shrimp. Fact excuse errors. Me. Not on this podcast. I had a steak and chick. I had a steak and shrimp. It was amazing. Congrats. Anyway, so switching to the gridiron, the football side of things, let's take a look at what happened this past weekend at Memorial Stadium, the much-hyped matchup against a ranked Michigan State team, IU's first Big Ten game of the season. And frankly, guys, the Hoosiers kind of laid an egg, didn't they? Uh, 35-21 loss to Michigan State. Game was never really that close. IU never led in the game. The closest they got after being down 28-7 to was a seven-point deficit right at the end of the fourth quarter before Michigan State took a 75-yard jet sweep to the end zone to basically seal the game. And it was a game that IU had chances to win, just too many you know, stagnant moments from the offense, uh, some very dubious officiating to say the least, and some bad pass interference calls that went against the Hoosiers. But just kind of looking at that game, in total, uh, Sean, you can start with this one. IU just looked bad and not at the level of, of Michigan State throughout the night. Yeah, Michigan State definitely looked a class above IU, and that's just kind of been the overarching theme every time IU ends up playing a ranked opponent. You know, there's a ton of buildup, and pretty much every single time you're let down um, by the by the Indiana team. That's speaking um, by someone who's at least followed the IU football program for a little while. Yeah, a little while. Um, but yeah, you know, Michigan State Brian Lewerke wasn't incredible. 
Uh, Michigan State's running game wasn't incredible. They were without, the Spartans were without L.J. Mm -hmm. Scott, their usual starting running back, who's had a slow start to his senior season, but also got injured in Michigan State's most recent game at Arizona State. But he didn't play at all on Saturday night. And even if he did play, it looked like the Hoosiers were doing a pretty good job, no matter what, of you know fitting their gaps in terms of run defense. But as you mentioned, Lewerke didn't look great, but still had success through the year against the Hoosiers. Yeah, he did enough, and they did enough in the running game, specifically that one seventy-five yard touchdown. Um, you know, Michigan State. I don't. I wouldn't say they they played their best game, but they didn't need it to beat IU, and that says a lot about um, where IU's at as a football program. Yeah, and you know. I took a couple days afterwards just to kind of reflect on the game as a whole and kind of wonder, you know, was I a little hard on him when I wrote about him? You know, was I maybe a little wrong that it was, you know, not a good performance? Maybe they performed a little better than I thought they did. And, like, I'm looking back and I still kind of believe what I did right after the game and thought it was just a huge missed opportunity. Um, you know, I had a lot of people – on Twitter, actually, comment, you know, they thought a big part of it was officiating and, you know, just a few plays here or there could have went the other way, like that pick six that Ramsey threw early on. Um, you know, that was kind of a bad break for the Hoosiers. But you can't blame it on those sort of things. You really can't. Um, when it comes down to it, it was not a good performance overall. Um, they fought back at the end. They gave it a good shot. They got back within seven points. But – it, it wasn't nearly enough. They were down 28-7 to at one point. Um, they dug themselves too big of a hole, um, and that's ultimately what killed them. I mean, their running game was non-existent. Uh, Stevie Scott led the way with a total of 18 yards, which is just not great. It's unacceptable, to be honest. And the offense just looked bad. It really did. The offensive line went back to their old ways that they were at last year. They did not block well. And Mike DeBoard even said that at the press conference. Well, forget the running game, too. Peyton Ramsey was under siege for the entire night. Yeah, Peyton Ramsey had to run a lot. Um, you know, he actually did, when he was throwing the ball, he actually didn't do a terrible job. He threw some interceptions. But. Um, again, a lot of that was under pressure, um, and when he did have some receivers open, he was running out of the out of the pocket because he had to get out of there. He, he had to survive. The, run and scrambling. the offensive line did not look good at all, and like I'm not saying Stevie Scott, you know, it was it was all the offensive line's fault because the running game didn't do well. I mean, it, Stevie Scott had a little bit to do with that as well, um, reading holes and whatnot. But the offensive line played a big part in that. I thought that was one aspect of the game that they really struggled with. Um, and then play calling. You know, I talk about DeBoard at the press conference, but here we are again, a lot of the same stuff that a lot of people talked about last year. The play calling is just very, very, um, what, what's the, reserved. Elementary. Conservative. Conservative, reserved, elementary. Those are all great words right there. Today. We love words here at the IDS Football mm -hmm. Podcast. And I, I just think that's it's going to kill them. It's going to kill this team down the road more than just this one time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen again. Well, here's the thing, too, about that is let's talk explosion plays for a second because IU has tried this season and in some cases had success, in some cases not had success, to get the ball into the hands of their biggest playmakers, their speedier guys, their WAP Filiers, their Reese Taylors. I mean, even just finding inventive ways to get the football into the hands of Stevie Scott. That's not just you know a simple handoff. And when IU's done that, they've had success at times. But there have also been times, like particularly in this game against Michigan State, where it just seemed like IU didn't make an effort to, to do anything 
nothing beyond just the normal shotgun takes the snap or shotgun hands it off or takes it from under center and hands the ball off. I mean, yes, Wap failure had something like 13, 14 catches in the game, but those were all just on pass plays. There was no real creativity or kind of dynamic, you know, spontaneous play calling from IU on the offensive side of the ball, which like almost was worse in contrast to Michigan State, which converted a fake field goal attempt and had a rushing touchdown from their kicker in the game. Yeah, um, I I agree with that. And I'm, I'm not sure if, if you know, they lost because they weren't, you know, they didn't bring up a bunch of creative trick plays and whatnot. I just think it was it was kind of basic ignorance of what Michigan State's really weak spots were, and that was their secondary. And I get that, you know, you can't pass the ball downfield um, when you don't have enough time. And sure, some of that falls on the offensive line. But I just, I just did not see enough pressing – Michigan State downfield I saw I think Ramsey attempted to throw the ball more than 20 yards in the air twice and he had um, I want to say 46 attempts yeah five attempts and both of those he had a receiver open he just overthrew him um think back to the first drive when, of the game he missed an open Reese Taylor on yeah, a wheel route uh-huh and when Michigan State's clear weakness is their secondary they were giving up almost uh 350 passing yards coming into this coming into last week you have to you can't just let them keep everything in front of them and make and just have to make tackles. You have to make them cover, you know, dynamic receivers, which Indiana has. They've got you could say four of them with Reese Taylor, Watt Fillier, Nick Westbrook, and Donovan Hale. Donovan they have, Hale, who's gone super quiet. Yeah, since and Nick Westbrook, who's been game. silent all season. So, I don't, I don't see why there was no real emphasis to get the ball in the hands of playmakers and really try and attack a weakness that Michigan State had. And that comes to play calling once again, you know. I mean, Ramsey, it is true, Ramsey was, I think, looking to run a little bit more than he was looking to pass, and I don't know where that – I mean, again, a lot of that comes from pressure. Um, But I I, I just don't know. It just – it looked like they were out of sync the entire game. I mean, that's what Mike DeBoer said. Yeah, he literally did. Yeah, it's exactly what he said, and I didn't even think about when I said it. But they did. They they looked out of sync. Everybody just – Right from the start, too, because right when Ramsey threw that pick six, it just kind of seemed like, well, this is what it's going to be like tonight. You know what I mean? Um, and, and again, a lot of the a lot of the stuff was just missed opportunities. The entire game was a missed opportunity, and I, I just think they were not able to bounce back when they needed to. Like, take for example, you talk about that fake field goal mm-hmm. that came right after. Marcelino Ball got uh, ejected from the game for yep. targeting. Marcelino Ball ejected for targeting about early part of the third quarter, right. and he had been IU's best defensive player by far to that point. Had Ball. six tackles, a couple for loss, I think a sack as well. Ball was the best player on the field until yeah. he got ejected. He really was. Um, he was having a great night, and they continued to move the ball down the field after he got ejected. Um, but then IU gets a stop. And then, boom, they let that happen. They let that fake field goal happen. It's a touchdown. And Tom Allen literally said they drew up a play. They were expecting that field goal. They were expecting him to fake that. The element of surprise, even at least from from what IU's saying, they knew that fake field goal was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. So I don't know how that happened. I think part of it was the situation. Um, I think part of it was the situation, though, because whether or not they kicked a field goal or went for a touchdown, they were going up by three possessions. true. Mm. So that – I think D'Antonio saw that as, you know, they they might have a play drawn up. They might be expecting us to run sort of a fake field goal because D'Antonio's got kind of that reputation. But his idea to use it maybe in a situation where it, it might not have been the most conventional way of thinking, I think still he managed to catch Tom Allen and 
the rest of the coaching staff off guard. And that's not the only example of them falling asleep, honestly. And, you know, I, I've brought up two defensive plays here because I'm going to talk about once IU got back in the game, got within one touchdown again at 28-21 in the fourth quarter. The very next play from scrimmage is a 75-yard touchdown run from Michigan State. And it's not just an explosive run where they're a good blocking. It was a jet sweep. It was wide open. A jet sweep is mm-hmm. not supposed to go 75 yards. Nobody was there. Um, and so, you know, that's just the kind of things that happened to this team the entire night. And I, I singled out two defensive plays, and honestly, I thought the defense played a fairly good game, actually. I mean, they're only responsible for, at the end of the day, technically 21 points because of the pick six and the special teams touchdown. Right. So, you know, I thought they played well, but again, that was just those were two examples of them having lapses where you can't do that. Well, and when the offensive and when the offense is not doing well, and when the offense is as stagnant as they are that night, you definitely can't have that. Well, let's focus on the defense real quick for two kind of well, actually really I think two or three important calls. They had uh, I think Raheem Lane had an interception taken away for some very touchy defensive pass interference. Right. Uh, I think Michigan State was able to convert, I want to say, a third down or something late in the game on another pass interference call. Yes. Well, they scored a touchdown. They scored a touchdown on, on, on offensive pass Probably should right. have been yeah, offensive pass Yeah, and I was going to bring up the offensive pass interference against Michigan the State, which end. was actually on there. I believe that I put them up 14 nothing was the pass to a tight end. It may have been. Uh, I think that was later. It may have been yeah, later. Yeah, I think it was later. Because whatever touchdown they threw to their tight end ended up being, yeah. a, at least looked like some Hold offensive on. pass I'm interference on it. them. That was in the third. Matt Dotson. It was the Matt second Dotson. quarter, end of, the, end of the first half. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. It was the second quarter. Yeah. So it made them 21-7 up. Yeah, 21-7. Right, going into halftime. And that one was probably offensive mm-hmm. pass interference. So officiating-wise, like IU probably, the way I see it at least, IU has stuff to gripe about, but it's still not the reason they lost the game. Fair? Yeah. They lost the game because they made two mistakes. There were two mental lapses, and they resulted in 14 points. Yep. So well, yeah, I, and that's the thing. Some good I, math you got there, Sean. I hate. Well, I hate when people bring up officiating as being a reason. Like that's what a bunch of people that came after me on Twitter talked about, where it was just like, well, if there was, if the officiating wasn't so bad, you know, they would have had a better shot. And I'm thinking, you know, you never hear. There's a reason you never hear coaches and players talk about officiating after the game because Tom, they get fined. Well, okay, because but they like money. I well, like money. Do you like money? No, because when you're you actually like in the money. when you're in a competition like that, officiating is just part of the game. If something, if there's a bad call, you have to bounce back from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how it is. It's like a big play from them on uh, from your opponent. That's just that's just how the sports work. Right. Tom Allen said post game like he'll be the one to do the yelling and communicating with the officials, but he wants his guys to automatically you know turn the page and focus right. on the next thing. Because you have the moment to. You don't focus on the next thing. Is the moment where someone. Takes a seventy-five yard jet sweep. To exactly, the end zone. you have to be able to do that because if you blame everything on officiating, that's just—I mean—that's just sad to me. Honestly, you can't do it because that's just part of the game. Bad officiating is sometimes part of the game, and you have to be able to respond. Again, IU didn't respond. I agree. I've just been. This has been <laughs> boiling inside of me because I've had. Six or seven people come after me on Twitter about my story, how they talked about how if I officiating wasn't so bad. I'm, I want to respond, but I won't do that. But this is my way of responding. Stop blaming officials. It's sports. Sorry. Any positives from this for IU? I mean, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> they managed to not play well and only lose to a ranked team by 14 points. I Michigan mean, State still covered the spread, though. An so. overrated. Yeah, an overrated ranked oh, team. Oh, let's focus on that real quick from the Michigan State perspective. Spartans aren't that good still, right? 
Yeah, like this I mean, is a I seven think, win team. Uh, I'd, uh, they I'd might win eight. Them, I'd give them eight, just because maybe even nine. Just because I, mean, I think they out. could beat everyone you know, except 10? Ohio State, we'll Michigan, 11. and Penn State. And they could probably beat Michigan. <clears throat> right. They could. On a good it's, day. It's doable. They could probably beat Penn State on a good day. It's I don't know if they play them at home or away or whatever. But yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, any any positive takeaway from this from IU? Like, I mean, again, uh, this was such the same. It was in a slightly different story construct, but this was the same narrative. This is like telling Little Red Riding Hood, only you, like, change up the second and third parts, but it still starts with her walking through the forest, and it still ends with her going to the wolf in Grandma's house, right? Like, we wow. started at the same spot, and we ended at the same spot. We just got there in a different way. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we did get there that in that much of a different way, to be honest. It's I the mean, same thing every yeah, time, in my just, opinion. You know, you know, you fight hard. It just... It just looks a little different than it might have in 2015 or something. Right. I guess the score is a little you bit lower. You fight hard. It's a close game. But at the end, there's some kind of back-breaking big it play. It it's is. the same problem that's plagued Indiana football for the last <laughs> however many years 50 now. 50 years or whatever. And I don't know. played since 1896. Since 67. <laughs> since the Rose Bowl. Since the Rose Bowl. <laughs> the curse of no one. Now, I will say, you know, <laughs> the defense did look had their stretches where they looked mm-hmm. pretty good. You got to look at Wap Philly was a bright spot too. The dude had like 160, you know, receiving uh, yards. He I may don't be injured know. now. He I mean he he is injured now. Here yeah, I mean he did angle, get a so. big chunk of those yards on that one, one play. play. Timian didn't um, play. Oh yeah, let's Timian talk about injuries real there. quick. So Luke Timian didn't play and he was like a game time scratch. Jacob Robinson didn't play. He was a game time scratch. Mackenzie Noir also didn't play on the offensive line, but that was kind of known ahead of time. And both Robinson and Luke Timian along with Cam Jones who had a very nice interception in the game. Great basically borderline game time decisions for the Rutgers game. And Cam Jones when he got he got hurt on that interception right. went straight to mm-hmm. the locker room. Yeah. I did don't not, know what happened. It looks like he landed on maybe a shoulder. It looked or like a like shoulder that. thing, but again we're speculating. Um Timian had a had a compression sleeve on his leg. Right. On his right leg, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Which down is on why Fillier even was playing that much, let alone getting that many right. touches, because IU basically lost their number one slot receiver. I feel like Fillier's numbers were a little skewed because mm-hmm. of that, just because one, Timian wasn't there, and he was replacing Timian in a way. And then two, um, again, it kind of goes into the offense where... Like the football never went to Nick Westbrook or Donovan Hale. They never went deep. Yeah. They uh, never went deep. The slot it was guy always crossing boom, the middle Fillier. is always going to be the guy that Peyton Ramsey So Fillier's to. numbers are skewed, in my opinion. But you still got to catch the ball and it's thrown to you. Touche. You know, he did manage to get into the end zone on, you know, a play that got Indiana back into the game right. I mean, for that 30 seconds. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, he got him within a touchdown. That was the biggest play of the game uh, offensively from IU's perspective. So credit him for that. But, yeah, I do think you're right. You know, the absence of Timmy and plus, you know, lack of time in the pocket, him running shorter routes, stuff like that. Yeah, and the thing is, Like, yeah, I'm being kind of harsh, but, again, we've talked about this already. It's just – can you blame me for being cynical at this point where – it it gets old. It really does. I mean, it gets old, and it's just the same thing every time, and we could keep saying that every time. Um, So I don't don't know how they fix that. And, you know, it is going to be difficult because they are a little banged up now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this came kind of out of nowhere because out of non-conference play, people were thinking, all right, this is the healthiest IU's been entering you know, their real tough Big Ten slate in quite some time. And then all of a sudden, literally right minutes before the Michigan State game, you hear news of, oh, the Timian injury came yeah. up. Oh, the Robinson came injury came up. And those are two key guys on each side of the football where all of a sudden you're going from IU being at 100% to 
you got four or five guys who probably aren't going to play against Rutgers. Marcelino Ball through suspension. Marcelino Ball's out for a half. But nonetheless. And that's the thing. That makes Cam Jones's injury even bigger because he's Marcelino Ball's backup. And now you have Brian Fitzgerald who will be taking over at the mm-hmm. Husky position. And if you think about it, that 75-yard run that Michigan State had, that happened when both of those guys were out of the game. And that's a big – and that position right there is kind of – somebody needs to be on top of that play right there. Um, and I don't know where they were at. Um, I mean, so you're basically leaning at that point on someone like Jonathan Crawford, a senior safety, to come from all the way over on the right. other side of the field. And he also basically took the wrong angle. There were two options presented to him. He went underneath the blocker when he should have gone around the blocker. But, I mean, your point still stands. A guy, guy's in there with more experience on that play. You know, maybe it's a 12-yard gain instead of a 75-yard gain, which makes all the difference in the world on the scoreboard. And failure is – his status is kind of up in the air right now, too. I would, um, I would doubt. Let's just say I, I don't think he's going to play. We see yeah. him in Piscataway. He may be in Piscataway, but I doubt we see him like with cleats and a full uniform in Piscataway. That's the IU outlook coming out of the <laughs> Michigan State game. Uh, you don't need to worry about why Murphy's laughing. He's just a jovial human being. Today. I am. I'm very happy. It's a great day outside. It's beautiful. Can we talk about that instead of talking about Rutgers? Let's talk about Rutgers, everyone. Oh, okay. Are we ready well, to talk about Rutgers mood. football? Nope. You ruined my mood. Are we excited? It's your fault that I'm in a bad mood now. You and all the people on Twitter. There will be a Big Ten football game this Saturday at noon in Piscataway, New Jersey at High Point Solution Stadium, Indiana against Rutgers. Sean, what can you tell us about Rutgers? Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Do we count this as a Big Ten game? Because we've been saying all week that this might as well be a MAC team. We considered actually not covering this game out of protest of how bad Rutgers football is. I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, since there is still being a game played on Saturday, as we far think. as we know. Um, Will people actually be there to be witnesses, though? If I was a Rutgers fan, I would think long and hard. Uh, but, yeah, Rutgers is coming off three straight blowouts. Uh, first, 52-3 to to Ohio State. Then they went to Lawrence, played Kansas. Lost fifty-five to fourteen, and then to Kansas. Yes, a that, game we predicted on this podcast as finishing two nothing to Kansas. Not not Kansas State, a decent football program. Kansas, <laughs> um, and then Buffalo traveled to Piscataway and won forty-two to thirteen. Not the Bills, um, the Bulls, the Bulls. Um, the Bulls. So overall, if you're if you're counting, that is a total of one hundred and forty-nine to thirty in the last three weeks. So they, I would think, would probably just want to stay within touching distance of of an opponent for a change. Um, Yeah, there's really no bright spots for Rutgers either. Um, Nothing? There's no hope? The the quarterback situation's bad. Let's talk about Rutgers quarterbacks They can't seem to make a decision there. They have two options. They have Arthur Sitkowski, a true freshman who has played extensively this year and been not great. And they have how do I pronounce this other guy's name? The senior. Uh, I'm not good at Italian sounding names. Let me. Oh, oh, okay. Let me just assume it's Italian. I think it's pretty safe bet considering that he is from New Jersey. He's probably related to the Sopranos family. Oh, okay. A box score here. It's Giovanni, and then I can't I can't get the last part of it. Resigno. It's Resigno or Resigno. Probably Resigno. I don't know. But he played last year in the 41 nothing IU victory in Bloomington against Rutgers. He did. Yeah. Unfortunately If you want to say, playing it pretty fast and loose with the term played. <laughs> but I feel like Sean looks like he's like 
a hostage right now having to talk about Rutgers. <laughs> Sean, blink twice <laughs> if Cam's holding you against your will. Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. <laughs> Did you get that reference, I got, Cam? I've seen Anchorman and Anchorman 2. Wow. wow. Good. The only two movies you've you've ever seen. Quite frankly, in this podcast studio, we are all in a glass case of emotion right there now. There you wow. go. Wow. Just go for the deliberate, he obvious makes, one. He makes his own references now. So Rutgers bad is what you're telling me. Rutgers defense yeah. any better than their offense? Well, no, considering <laughs> they've given up an average of 49.7 points and mm-hmm. uh, over 500 yards of I think it was around 520 yards of offense per game mm-hmm. uh, over the over the last three weeks. It's not good, Sean. Um, we're pretty much thrown out there 35 to seven win over Texas State. The Bobcats of San Marcos, pretty, Texas. Pretty obvious now that that's not a real good. Um, benchmark for where that's not the record. That's not who Rutgers. That's not where expectations should be. Um, they should be a little lower. And Chris Ash is in his third year as head coach. He is of the in Scarlet his third Knights. year. Uh, he in has won last. three Big Ten games. <laughs> um, this actually won't be his last year because his buyout is something like nine years. His contract's like nine years, sixty million left on it. So they are wow. not buying him out. He is there yeah. for a few yeah. more years. That's the least that's surprising not, thing I've heard today. Not what you want to hear if you're a Rutgers fan. But yeah. Um, Took over a four and eight team, went from two and ten. Kyle Flood, correct? From Kyle Flood, um, never heard of him. Went two and ten his first year. Went four and eight. Won three Big Ten games his second year, which was last year. That was last year in twenty seventeen, and uh, picked up his fifth or no, not that's not how math works. His <laughs> eighth, no, seventh. <laughs> oh, his seventh. Uh, Math has a win against us. Texas State, and then he's lost three straight. And oh, that's where we're here no. right now. So this that, doesn't look like a four and eight team, if you ask me. We just watched the man Let's die out here. <laughs> Let's move on. Um. <laughs> so okay, Rutgers is basically bad in all three facets of the game. They're really not a Big Ten caliber level team. Murphy Wheel is raising his hand, raising his hand in his booth <laughs> like this is like sixth Sir. grade science class. Yes, Murphy. What again? We talk about how but bad Rutgers is. All right? Yes. We they are bad. Yes. Okay. But we are also talking about IU. And no. again, I'll, I'll put it this way, Ball State would have beaten Rutgers 35 to 10. Now, I don't disagree, and I think IU's going to beat Rutgers fairly easily, but you can never overlook somebody. You really can't. They're going to Piscataway. I looked and I'm, over Ball State freely. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here. You're not doing a because, great job of it. Well, because I'm just saying we've talked about how IU does what they do over and over again. This would be another example. Anybody can beat anybody. And I'm telling you right now, Rutgers, you're going to Piscataway. You've got some guys banged up. You're coming off a loss. I'm just saying I don't think IU will get beat, but you cannot overlook them. I know you can't overlook anybody, but it's it's just how it is. These two teams have had good games in the past, obviously. So recent history between IU and Rutgers is basically exclusively to back when Rutgers joined the Big Ten in 2014. Mm-hmm. The first two times they met in 2014 and 2015 were both Rutgers victories. Rutgers won at home in 2014, and 2015 was the infamous IU homecoming game in which the Hoosiers blew a 25-point lead, and the Scarlet Knights kicked a game-winning like 52-yard field goal at the horn. 2016, IU trailed at halftime at Rutgers, ended up coming out with, I think, a 
14-point victory. And then last year was the most clear-cut of the games, the 41 nothing demolition on senior day in Bloomington to get IU to 5-6 and six, entering the bucket game. So we've established that IU played bad last week against a decent-to-good Michigan State team, yep. that Rutgers is a dumpster fire. Rutgers is program. the worst Power 5 team in the country. I would agree with that. And, like— it's not there, close. there are plenty of non-Power 5 teams, too, that are better than Rutgers. Right. They're not the worst team in the country, but no. they're the they, worst. They won a game. They're now not one of the worst teams in the country. So to these points, how does IU exploit Rutgers? And, I mean, it's one thing if, like, you can just say IU has better athletes than Rutgers, but what specific matchups does IU have to absolutely dominate against Rutgers? Is they it the don't. passing game? Is it th- They're better in every single no. facet yeah, that's of the, the thing. game. Rutgers- Wait, you're just saying that they, can, they can't overlook anyone, so IU can just step onto the field against Rutgers, play at half no. speed, and win the game. No, but if they play the way they should, and they don't have any, you know, lapses, then they should they should be able to beat them in every sense of the game. They really should. But again, Indiana in this game, they should be able to pick their final score. It becomes mental. It becomes mental at that point. So anything- we were talking last week, or I guess the week before, about how it was, you know, important for Indiana to to, to stay mentally ready and stay out for Ball, Ball State, State okay. and not, you know, overlook, you know, towards the Michigan State. What's the same thing? Ohio State mm. is, it is next Saturday. Which real they, quick, as we long just got as they all don't, our credentials approved for Ohio we State. So we'll be in email. Columbus for that. Yeah, Ohio State is next week, and they just have to not overlook Rutgers. And as long as they give them the respect that they should give every opponent, they should win this game by who knows how many points. Can we see 50? Oh, easily. We could. I think. Well, Ohio State only put 52 on them, but I guess we're talking about Ohio State who probably didn't try after halftime of that game. Yeah, they didn't have to. I think my favorite thing I've seen this year from any news outlet covering college football was SB Nation's um, like history of Rutgers touchdowns against Big Ten schools. And when you get to the Ohio State and Michigan section, man, those are sparse. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let's talk about something real quick here. Okay. Before we go into like Rutgers predictions, before we go into fourth and one, before we begin to put a bow on what has been just a, an electric show so far, we're talking about Rutgers as the worst team in all Power Five conferences, let alone the worst team in the Big Ten, right? Right. So, I mean, that throws out some of the teams you think about as being really bad. You're thinking about your Kansases who beat Rutgers, Illinois, which has, I think, two wins this season. Mm-hmm. Are we convinced that Rutgers is worse than Nebraska? Uh, I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, but that's closer than you guys would like to think about, though. You know, like you have I, to think I, about think, that for a I think Nebraska would win, by, would win that game by four touchdowns. Like, really? I don't think you can overstate how bad Nebraska or how bad Rutgers <laughs> is. I mean, you really can't overstate how bad either of them are, but especially Rutgers. I guess I would agree with that. Yeah, that and that's the game to like loser gets relegated to the MAC, winner stays in the Big Ten. Nebraska Rutgers at this moment at least. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Neither of those two teams should be in the Big Ten in the first place. <laughs> Nebraska for geographical <laughs> concerns though. What? Rutgers for ability concerns. Rutgers for geographical and ability oh, concerns. I keep forgetting very, Rutgers very, is right on don't. the East Coast. You know, I've always wanted to go to New Jersey. That's a weird thing. For some reason in my mind really? I've always Why? wanted to visit New Jersey. Yeah. I've driven through it a few times. Flown is- to Newark. Well, like, people joke about New Jersey being, like, a trash place and stuff, but, like, I've always been fascinated by it. Like, what was it like when you drove through it? There's not that much there, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just, like, I've always thought about, like, like Atlantic City, the boardwalk being, like, by the sea. Well, don't go to Piscataway if you're going to New Jersey. 
Well, there's like three different Rutgers, right? There's Rutger Eye just all over the place. What? There's Rutger, multiple Rutgers. There, there's Rutgerses. Rutgerses. There's a Rutgers New Brunswick. There's a Rutgers Piscataway. There's a Rutgers Camden. I got, I, I got a scholarship offer from Rutgers Camden. Satellite campuses is what they're called. Oh. I could have gone to Rutgers. I could have been a star. So, uh, I don't even know what to do anymore. Fourth and one. Who wants to do it? I don't I'll care. I'll do fourth and one. I don't care anymore. Okay. What are we going to – I have to think of things now. I don't want to do think it. about it. Ask in, me anything. I don't want to think about Indiana Ask me Rutgers. anything. Yeah, you can ask me anything not related to IU Rutgers. AMA, just anything at all? Anything. All right, fourth and one. Let me get my phone and actually start a minute timer. All right. Because honestly, the fire alarm has me still really discombobulated mentally and physically. Well, yeah, I think it gave me some trauma. I think it messed all sure. of us up. Okay. Ready? Yeah, sure. How many years until the global temperature increases by five degrees? Um, Three-fourths of a year. How many passing yards will the IU defense allow against the Scarlet Knights? Over under 120. Under. How many rushing yards will IU allow over under 55? Mm, maybe some garbage time there. I'll give them 56. <laughs> How many touchdowns will IU score? Six or fewer, seven or more? A million. Uh, no, I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> A million. <laughs> Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> Over under six touchdowns for IU against um, Rutgers. Uh, I'll go. I'll go under. I'll say they'll like get five. And like, I think they'll get five and kick some field goals, and it's gonna be like forty something. All right. Final question is gonna be who's your hysteria related? Okay. Is Ben Duyaney gonna dunk? Yes, Ben Duyaney is going to dunk. At who's your hysteria? Women's basketball what? budding star Ben Duyaney. Now, what makes you say that? There's just been some cryptic videos on social media that are hinting at it. They're going to have some light effects on the court at Assembly Hall for Hoosier Stereo 2, like movies being played on the court. Like Think like the Vegas Golden Knights intros for it's NHL It's just going to be my face. They're you just want... going to plaster my <laughs> face on the Assembly Hall court. You want to know my prediction for Hoosier Stereo? Yes. So we, we, we have gone way beyond the minute now. Um, we're at minute forty. Yes. <laughs> so we're also talking about basketball. <laughs> yeah. No. Here's my prediction for Hoosier Hysteria. Since it is the same day as IU Rutgers, and probably will be more. Uh, IU Rutgers is a noon kickoff. Hoosier Hysteria is a four p.m. tip off at the hall. IU volleyball is also in action that night as well at seven p.m. Gee, thanks. Anyway, um, <laughs> so here's my prediction: in the slam dunk contest, the guys are going to do their thing, and then the women's team. They're going to do this weird, like, they're going to come over the announcing and whatever and be like, uh, we have a new entry into the slam dunk contest. And they're going to bring Ben Duyaney out. She's going to dunk it, and they're all going to give her tens, and she's going to win the slam dunk contest. You heard it here first. That's what's going to happen. You're the only place to give you a wow. Hoosier Hysteria slam dunk contest. You heard you. it here first. This is the football podcast. I'm just saying. You brought it up. Well, what else was I going to bring up? Rutgers' passing stats? I don't want to scare children. <laughs> Okay, we've been in the studio too long. Any final thoughts, everybody? Predictions. I'm taking over this podcast now. Any final thoughts? Murphy, IU Rutgers, final score and why? Um, Please just say like a million to like negative two. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sun to the Earth's mantle. X, I'm going to do this in Roman numerals. 
Um, <laughs> Why? It's going to be... Why would you do that ever? It's going to be X, 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 I, V, to X. 44. Oh, 44 right. to 10. Yep. 44 to 10. Yep. You literally took my final score. I'll think, <laughs> think of something else. Sean? And, what, and why? I, I, why is what, it, what do you mean, why? <laughs> why the Roman numerals? Is it because Rutgers is the birthplace of college football? It is. because <laughs> Rutgers should be sent back to the dark <laughs> And that <laughs> is the overall... <laughs> That's the overall idea of this podcast, right here, folks. We apologize to the Daily Targum, the uh, Rutgers student newspaper. We know you it's guys- going to be real. We're going to be laughing out the other side of our heads when IU goes and gets beat by him. <laughs> Sean, score prediction and why? Uh, Indiana fifty-seven, Rutgers three. So more than Ohio State. So yeah. by transit, pro- and that's going to get people talking about the transitive. Well, IU played. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. Just to get everyone a little bit more. Send Ohio State Ohio a little State. notice before before they travel to Columbus. But yeah, no, I legitimately think IU could win this game by fifty points. If it's a matter of if they try and if they leave their starters in and stuff. I think Michael Penix Jr. and the rest of the backups could put up thirty. Michael Penix Jr., who's only 30, played two 40. games this season, only yeah. played in. I think this is an opportunity to get him, you know, some time in a conference. He hasn't game. played against Ball State, and he hasn't. Oh, he did play against Ball State. Excuse me. He yeah. didn't. He didn't play against Virginia and Michigan State. Yeah, I think this could be a game. To, you know, get him his Big Ten debut. You mm-hmm. know, a, a game that matters a little bit more. Not worrying about that hostile um, road environment. No, at not at all. Highpoint.com Solution I, Stadium. I think we'll see a smaller crowd than was at the IU Virginia game. Um, smaller crowd than the IU FIU game. <laughs> you know it. You give them credit. Smaller crowd than the Miami Marlins Toronto Blue Jays game. Ooh, now now you're pushing it. We could be we you could be in the ballpark there. But yeah, you know, this could be hey, a game to get rim shot, ballpark, baseball. Oh my gosh. So I'll take IU to defeat Rutgers forty nine to seven. Uh, again, I think this is really straightforward for IU. If they don't win this game, they don't de- deserve to be in a bowl game. And I think you will legitimately call for Tom Allen to be – like people will call on Twitter for Tom Allen to be fired if they lose this game. They won't. There's no conceivable way in in, nope. in reality that IU loses this game, right? Like Indiana is – Indiana can be a fine football team. They're a 5-7-8 to seven to eight win team, whatever you want to say. They're not Rutgers bad, and they won't be Rutgers bad for a while, Correct. That's correct. I, yeah, yeah I, I can imagine. All right. Glad we settled that. If they lose, it'll be the official's fault on Twitter. <laughs> Is there any way you guys can see Indiana losing this game? No. Just if they completely mentally check out? I think they can mentally yeah. check out and win by 10. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Again, I think anybody can beat anybody. I mean, it would it would have to take a really just yeah. unbelievably bad game from Peyton Ramsey. And... You know, and an unbelievably know good game from Rutgers. I, I just don't token. see how Rutgers scores enough points and prevents IU from scoring enough times in order for it to be possible for them to win. I just don't see Rutgers being able to move the ball in the IU defense, and I just can't see them stopping the IU offense with any sort of consistency. Those would be two key points to any successful football team, the ability to score points and stop the other team. And Rutgers fails at both of the basic parts of winning football <laughs> so, so Rutgers has a has a very simple problem they're not good at football uh-huh. all right final thoughts anyone this has been just a joy to speak with you guys you've gone almost 30 minutes just, more than 30 minutes on Rutgers football tremendous well 
We are pretty good at producing content. So final thoughts, anyone on IU Rutgers, life, existentialism? I need to take some insulin, to be honest. We need to get out of here. My blood sugar is a little high. For those that don't know, I'm diabetic. It's something I live with. Type one, not type two. There's plenty of <laughs> there's plenty of successful diabetics out there though. <laughs> you got Jay Cutler. Is he successful? Um, really? Yeah, Jay Cutler's <laughs> diabetic. Uh, Adam Morrison of the NBA. He's diabetic. Formerly of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Sure. He's, he's, he's the uh, he's like the Gonzaga color commentator. Really? Wow. Local radio. He got two rings something. with the Lakers. Halle Berry. She's diabetic. Really? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Whoa, seriously? Yeah. So, like, if there was a Mount Rushmore of diabetics, it would be me, It'd be those three, Halle Berry, <laughs> um, Adam Morrison, and Jay Cutler. That's the. Those that's are the. the Mount can Rushmore that be our opening? <laughs> the Mount Rushmore of diabetics. There's a Mount Rushmore of people who had diabetes. <laughs> the Mount Rushmore of diabetics is Murphy Wheeler, Halle Berry, Adam Morrison, and Jay, and Jay Cutler. Cutler. Wow. Pretty sure Halle Berry's diabetic. Such a group. Of I better check that. Nick Easy. Jonas as well. Yeah, and really, no, I Jonas remember brothers. watching the Disney Channel when I was really young, and Nick Jonas was on a tour bus, and they asked him, how do you live with diabetes? And he's like, I just eat healthy, and he put some peanut butter in an apple and popped it in his mouth. And I thought there was a little bit more to it than that, but really, you just have to eat apple and peanut butter, and you're a successful diabetic. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast. I'm really not sure why you listen, but thank you for listening. We'll be with you all day on Saturday for both coverage of Hoosier Hysteria and Indiana against Rutgers. Brett Michaels. A noon kickoff on definitely BTN, 100% on the Big Ten Network. Mary Tyler Moore. Sean Mintert will have your recap and most of the tweeting for IU Rutgers. Murphy and I will have you covered for about half the game as well as into the early part of the second half before we take over men's basketball duties. Randy Jackson from American Idol. As we continue to just name famous diabetic people for no good reason. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Drew Carey's diabetic? Yep. How about that?